0: Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. But before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as in traditional people and traditional owners of this country. We acknowledge with gratitude First Nations communities for their continuing care and connection to the lands or waters with which they have protected for thousands of years. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and recognise that First Nations sovereignty was never ceded. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Glenn.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Would you be able to provide a little background information about yourself and maybe talk about some things that you do to stay well?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, my name is Glenn McIntosh uh, and I'm a psychologist and my main areas that I really love working in are eating, physical activity, weight, and body image. They're my jam. Um, and I, what I try to do uh, is to spread compassionate uh, and evidence-based and innovative messages for people who struggle with these, you know, all too common concerns. Um, and What do I do to stay well? I think this is a really important thing because I think, you know, if you're a psychologist or a dietitian, we are the tool, right? You know, we are the tool that we, we're the main tool that we use to support the people that we serve. So it's important that we're sharp. So this is something that's pretty important to me. Um, I have what I call minimum standards. I really like this idea of having minimum standards. So for example, for me, I might work a really big long day, but I'll have a minimum standard of uh, eight hours sleeping on. So it's really kind of like a non-negotiable for me. Um, I like to move my body around about like a, four, like four times a week minimum. Um and, you know, being into the psychology of eating, I think I would possibly drop dead if I didn't have five meals a day.
0: Oh, yes. I think all of them are so important. I think meeting the minimum for eight hours, like sleep impacts everything. It's all so important. That you Massively.
1: Do that. And and you know, these are like obviously really, really basic things. But I think for us who, you know, we don't have many other tools, we are the agents of change. Uh, It's important that we're as uh, as sharp as we can be for ourselves and also, you know, for the people that we serve.
0: Even though they're basic, they're foundation. (laughs) 100%. So each week on the podcast, we like to ask our guests about a challenge that they have recently um, experienced and how they have managed to overcome it.
1: Okay. Um... I have a related challenge to this because I think that I, I take pretty good care of myself personally, but over the last couple of years, I, um, I've started to identify that I think I've just taken maybe just a touch too much of my own, like, uh, joyful movements unconditional permission to eat, body positive principles. And I'm like, geez, I'm I'm getting a bit slower. I'm lacking a bit of energy and I feel pretty good, but I've, I've sort of identified that I don't feel as vibrant as I have, you know, in the past. So one, my challenge is I work a lot and I've got like a, a, this, you know, real trifecta of like, I love my work. So that's one thing. And I work from home. So that's another thing that we have like our whole team coming into my place. Um, and I think I'm just naturally also a hardworking kind of a person. So this is a a barrier for me in like creating that, you know, quote unquote work-life balance, um, and I, I run a big online community called the Transformation Support Community. And every year, we kind of do like a goals, values, intention-setting process. And I do the whole process with my clients because I love it. Um, and I've identified this. And so the barrier for me um, is, you know, trying to, trying to figure out how to get that work-life balance. Um, and what I've sort of done is I've kept my minimum standard of four exercise sessions. That's like the baseline. Um, but I want to do six. Um, so the way I have been achieving that is by doing it earlier in the day, doing it first thing. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, any psychologist would, you know, maybe their little flag would go up and go, because for me often, you know, creating work-life balance, I think is an anxiety related thing. I've got anxiety. If I, you know, go for a run for myself, or if I go to the gym or do some martial arts training all of those important things that I need to do for work won't happen. So I need to expose myself to that stimuli, actually doing something for myself. uh, And I am slowly learning that this is okay. Everything else gets kind of done.
0: It will prevent burnout though. If you do the things you enjoy within your routine, you'll be able to show up a lot better in your work rather than not allowing yourself to do the things you want to do. So, you know, it's like a bit of perfectionism
1: hundred percent and it's you're right because and it's like it's kind of like baseline is you prevent burnout Mm -hmm. but I think you know and I'm big on um I'm always talking to to my team about your our energy the energy that we have and if you're like if you're coping and you're doing okay you have a certain level of energy and your clients are going to get what they need out of you but if you're and you'll probably prevent yourself from burnout, but if you're thriving, if you are excited about life, if you are full of beans, if you have extra reserves of energy for your more complex and challenging people that you work with, then everyone wins, right? You win, everyone that's working with you wins.
0: Exactly. It's time to thrive, Glenn.
1: <laughs> I feel yeah. I'm with you.
0: Yes. So on the topic of today, we are going to be talking about emotional eating so what is emotional eating?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because, of course, all of our eating in some sense is emotional, but the way that we would define emotional eating as a psychologist is when you're eating uh, more food, So, and often it's actually, about, it's actually about overeating, so it's when you're eating more food than your body needs in response to the unpleasant emotions. So it's not like, for example, you know, getting an ice cream with your family, you know, eating intuitively, using your unconditional permission to eat. That's not what we would technically classify as emotional eating. It might be more like the, I've had a fight with my husband. I'm going off by myself and I'm eating like half a tub of Ben and Jerry's as an example so, so that when we're dealing using food to deal with the unpleasant emotions and we are actually the way we would define it is actually when we're overeating
0: okay that's really important to note as well because like as you're saying it's all emotional like in some circumstances you might eat you know you want to eat a burger when you come home from like working and you're tired but you're not overeating so it can be emotional in a sense but Not overeating where it's like a binge or you're upset or something, which is good.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So then why might people engage in emotional eating?
1: Yes. So like we can engage in emotional eating for more reasons than there are grains in the sand. (laughs) It's a really, and I think that's an important point because emotional eating is actually a really normal and a natural thing to do. So it's really when we're using food to self soothe in response to all of those unpleasant emotions that are part of our contract with life. So it's if we're feeling sad or if we're feeling lonely or if we're feeling confused or if we're feeling stressed or all of those unpleasant feelings so there's lots and lots of reasons but I think that is a, a good point Is you know it it act- is actually really really normal very very common
0: yes definitely so then how can you identify that if you may be experiencing um, emotional eating
1: yeah okay good question it's so one clue you could have is that if you're um if you notice that your body's not hungry so if you're about noticing that you're like your body like your tummy might be full or satisfied and you're still feeling that desire to eat um that can be an obvious sign because of course emotional eating is a, a type of non-hungry eating another thing is though that you know we do a lot of non-hungry eating just because the food is around all of this quote-unquote hyper palatable food like super yummy food that the food industry creates that that kind of works on those addictive mechanisms in our brain um and so that's not necessarily emotional eating we can just sometimes eat because of the, those food cues are so so powerful um so one uh one way we can sort of have a clue is if we're um, if we're our body's full satisfied and we still want to keep eating, um, or we're not hungry. Um, but another really good sign that I like to use is that, and I think we've all been there before, is that, you know, say if we're going from food to food in the cupboard, it's like, oh, I've had those biscuits and they didn't really kind of do it. Um, <laughs> or, you know, oh, now I'm going to go for the chocolate. The chocolate didn't really cut it either. Uh, okay, what do I go now? Okay, let's get some ice cream. And if you're going from food to food and those foods are not really doing it for you, then that can be a really clear sign that you might be emotionally eating because what that suggests is that food actually isn't the answer. Food is, you know, I often say there is no nutritional solution to an emotional problem. So if you've got an emotional quote-unquote problem happening, you might be going from food to food, trying to use food to soothe your feelings, but it's actually probably not working or at least not working really, really effectively.
0: And also trying to fill in that time as well when you don't want to face anything going on in your actual life. You might just be using that time to just eat by yourself.
1: Absolutely. So that would be an example of some, an un, you know, just a really normal, natural, unpleasant emotion that we all experience from time to time. Uh, and then um, just using food just to sort of soothe that, that emotion.
0: Yes. So then how does negative thoughts and feelings come into the pattern of emotional eating?
1: Right. So, so sometimes we talk about, um, emotional eating being a, a, a coping mechanism, a coping strategy. Um, but I think often it's actually better thought of as a defense mechanism. So, we are emotionally eating to protect ourselves from unpleasant thoughts or unhelpful thoughts or negative thoughts, whatever however we want to think of them um, or the unpleasant or negative emotions. So, so one way that we can think of it is that emotional eating is you could think of it as a coping strategy, but really more of a defense mechanism. It's sort of something that's happening unconsciously to try and protect ourselves from unpleasant thoughts and feelings.
0: Wow, that's so important to note, especially that it's something that you don't, you aren't consciously aware of. It's just something that you're kind of doing and you don't know why.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, it, yes, absolutely. It can be something that you're unconsciously aware of or something that happens very instinctively without a lot of rational or conscious thinking. And a lot of people will have that, right? That response where they're like, why am I doing this thing on a conscious level? Like, why am I doing this thing that I know won't help me? But uh, a lot of this is driven by these unconscious drivers that don't really care about what the conscious, rational, logical mind thinks.
0: Yes. It's also like your body probably remembers how you use that to soothe yourself in the past as well. So it just kind of goes to those same things.
1: hundred percent. And it's a really, really challenging thing because emotional eating is about the reducing of unpleasant emotions often those foods that we emotionally eat on are foods that we've used to soothe our emotions before they often are those hyper palatable foods so like high fat high salt high sugar and get too many people who are like emotionally binging on salads <laughs> um and it, it it gets uh it gets um reinforced by your neural circuitry in terms of reducing the unpleasant emotions but also increasing pleasant emotions like oh that's makes that's yum makes me feel happy for a period Um, and so we get this combining of positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement uh, that kind of means that our emotional eating becomes quite habitual over time so we we end up um, having this I call it emotional habitual eating that it's partly emotional it's partly habitual um, and then We get this phenomenon that we see in addictions, which is where the habit continues, even sometimes after the the original need for the habit is long gone. So we end up doing this style of eating and using food to cope with these unpleasant emotions, whether we, quote unquote, need to or not.
0: Yes, that is so interesting. And then what about you when you throw diet culture into the mix? How might diet culture influence people to engage in emotional eating?
1: I'm just smiling because, yes, yeah, throwing diet culture into the mix just <laughs> all, is always harmful. It's mm-hmm. like a poison you, you, you put into the mix. Uh, we do know that there is a relationship um, in women uh, between um, diet mindset and emotional eating. Um if from memory, the uh, correlation value is 0. 0.22, so a sort of a, a, a small to moderate but significant correlation. Um, and that can sort of play out in a variety of ways. You know, obviously, the process of yo-yo dieting that often happens when we we dieting the weight loss followed by the regain is quite an emotional roller coaster, So it can give rise to more of these these food triggers, uh, these emotional triggers to food, I should say. Um, And also we do know that dieting and of course, like this is a really obvious one, but dieting and body image concerns are really strongly linked. We know that body image concerns are related to emotional eating. So, you know, if you're not feeling, uh, you know, comfortable in your body, if you're feeling ashamed of your body, if you're feeling uh, like your body is defective in some way then that's gonna give rise to some powerful emotions that then we might use to to soothe with food. So that's where I I I do a lot of work in this sort of trifecta between dieting mindset, body image concerns, and emotional eating, because they all kind of relate to each other.
0: They definitely do, especially if you like categorize all the food that you've eaten as bad and then you might go into a dieting cycle and then it just kind of cascades and emotional eating is in there too, because now there's like quite a, you're quite upset with the whole cycle.
1: Absolutely. And that's the one other little factor related to that is of course, if you diet, you go in that diet bin cycle, we know that binge eating is correlated with emotional eating too. So yes, it's just, and I think that that's, um, when we understand those relationships I think it helps to empower the people that we work with um, because they understand that it's not just about, oh, just stop emotionally eating. It's like, you know what, we probably, we might need to work on that, you know, that when you're at the point of, do I emotionally eat or don't I, we might need to work there, but we might actually need to work um, underneath that or work around that at some of those those factors that uh, that, are, that are likely impacting our emotional eating.
0: And becoming aware of it and acknowledging it can really help shift as well. Absolutely. So then how can you identify your own triggers for emotional eating, knowing that they can be different for everyone?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So <sighs> we've kind of gone through, if your your body's not hungry, that might be a sign. If you're, you know, going from food A to B to C and none of them are cutting it, that might be a sign, a sign that you're trying to use nutrition to solve an emotional problem. Um, And then it comes down to that question about, well, yeah, well, for me, how do I become aware of what is going on for me and uh, what's kind of cueing this emotional eating? So (laughs) I like to explain to people that while there are just a million different ways that we can express our emotional eating and thousands of different combinations of emotions. It's all emotional eating really boils down to three things. We've got some unpleasant feelings that are going on there that we're trying to resolve with food, often with limited effectiveness, not always, but often we've got some wants or needs that aren't being met. And we're trying to meet them, again, often ineffectively with food. Or there are some, some changes that we need to make in our lives. And be really small changes or there might be really big changes. So I often like to, to sort of encourage people to look at their emotional eating through that framework. And if they're doing some non-hungry eating, if a whole bunch of foods that aren't seeming to cut it to look at, okay, well, what unpleasant feelings am I experiencing here? Am I trying to resolve them with food? Are there any sort of wants and needs that I have that are really important to me that aren't being fulfilled at this time? Or are there any changes that I need to make in my life, big or small? And so it is a process of awareness and then a process of self-reflection. And I think that so often, you know, that greatest teacher is ourselves and all of the, it sounds cliche to say, but so often all of the answers are within us. Um, so it's that, that process of exploring what is going on for me as a unique individual, um, while that sometimes requires a bit of work, the cool thing is that once you start to identify what's going on for you, you can actually come up with far better solutions than the stock standard just have a glass of water or go for a walk instead. And so often you will end up with once you go through, you know, once you go on this journey of identifying what your emotional eating is all about and looking at new ways to manage your emotions or fulfill your wants and needs or make those changes that, that are really important in your life. Um, that process that you go on, is so important often you will end up with simple answers i need to call that person and have a chat with them i need to maybe rearrange my weekly schedule a little bit i do need to go for a walk uh but the way in which you've come to the answer is actually through a process of of tuning into yourself and and realizing what you need um and and i think that makes all the difference rather than doing like a cookie cutter just you know go and practice some meditation instead or whatever those things are that we often say to our clients
0: yes I really love that self-reflection element and looking at your own life your own emotions everything because you do know best what you need like 100% Mm.
1: 100%. and I think that sometimes uh, you know as we we look at I I like to look at, at children Children are pretty good at recognising and embodying and processing their emotions. But as adults, for a whole bunch of reasons, some of them probably necessary, others maybe not, we get good at um, hiding our emotions or ignoring them. Uh, And we, we can ignore or fail to acknowledge our important wants and needs. We can kind of meander through our experience of life rather than being proactive at making changes that that need to happen, and so sometimes a good way if you're kind of thinking, yeah, I do like this idea, but you're getting stuck, is I like to think of yourself as a child, and you think, okay, if I think of myself as a child, tune into my child self. What feelings are they feeling, and how might I comfort them? You know, if I was a, a five-year-old with those emotions, how might I comfort myself? Um, and the same thing with you know, what wants and needs do I have? You know, if I think of myself as a young, a a child, you know, what wants and needs have I got in there that, that aren't being fulfilled and how might I, you know, fulfill them? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I find as adults, we struggle to kind of communicate how we're feeling to people and ask things and be transparent. And I find that always really helps to process your emotions, just to name how you're feeling and tell someone, even if it doesn't make a difference to the relationship, at least you've expressed that and then you can feel better about it.
1: 100%. So that would be a wonderful example of if you realize, you know, for me as an individual, I bottle things up rather than, and I eat those emotions. As an example, this would be a wonderful uh, new way to to look to process your emotions and be like, okay, well, if I do that, well, maybe my journey is about learning to open up, learning to be vulnerable, practicing assertiveness and communicating my feelings. And then I'm processing them because, of course, if we think of emotional eating as a defence mechanism, a defence mechanism is defending against our emotions rather than processing our emotions.
0: Yes, that's definitely so important, actually how to process them and some people don't always know how.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. So then what about the research on emotional eating? Yeah, well,
1: that's a, I mean, that, this is a really good question, especially at this time, because the research on emotional eating says it is negatively related to mental health. And this makes sense, right? If we assume that a lot of the time emotional eating is a defense mechanism. We're not actually processing our emotions. We're not working with our emotions. We're not fulfilling our wants and needs. We're just stuffing that all down with food. So one of the things that happens there is that we're not actually solving the problems that we experience in life, uh, at least very adaptively. Um, The other thing is that, you know, I work with a lot of people who live in larger bodies, a lot of people who have weight concerns, and of course, there are a whole variety of ways that you can deal with those weight concerns. There are sort of like diet and exercise approaches. There's uh, non-dieting, intuitive eating, body acceptance approaches. Uh, there's bariatric surgery. There's a whole range of ways that you can deal with your weight concerns of, that are potentially available to you. The research really says to us that no matter what way you want to deal with your uh, your eating and your body image and your health concerns and your weight concerns, emotional eating will put a spanner in the works. So we do know that if you're, you know, if you're doing like an intuitive eating non-diet approach, intuitive eaters are low on emotional eating. So if you're doing an intuitive eating approach, you, you, it, part of the, the, the approach, if you are to do it successfully, is to learn how to deal with your emotions in new ways. We also know that that people who are emotional eaters will lose less weight on weight loss programs and they're more likely to, to regain the weight. So I think that, you know, I think about when you think about it in terms of um emotional eating's relationship to physical and mental health, it is something that we want to walk on. So I think there is, you know, some people in the sort of non-diet body positive community will sort of say that emotional eating is not a problem. Um, Whereas if we look at the research, um, we would say that a level of emotional eating is not a problem but there certainly can become a level where it's uh, it won't be good for your physical or your psychological health.
0: Yes, definitely. So then, how can you identify when emotional eating is becoming your main coping strategy and may not actually be that helpful for you? Mm-hmm.
1: So, I think that um, again, when you're when you're not experiencing the pleasure in the food. That's an important thing. Emotional eating and food addiction are different. But in emotional emotional eating follows the addictive neural circuitry in our brains. So it has an addictive component. And part of the component of addictions is that we keep on doing the behavior even when we don't want to, even when that behavior has physical Social psychological consequences. So, you know, as a psychologist, we would always say that when does something become a problem? Or when it starts affecting your life. Um, so, if you're eating a lot, you're not enjoying the food that you're eating. Um, I'm sorry, I should say when you're overeating a lot and you're you're not enjoying the food that you're eating and you might be noticing that it is starting to have some of those psychological consequences. Actually, you know, eating a lot all the time, and it's making me feel sluggish, it's making me feel depressed. Um, it might be resulting in uh, medical problems like diabetes um, or, you know, increasing our weight concerns.
0: Yeah. So then what happens when emotional eating is impacting your mental, mental well-being? How can you begin to shift this?
1: So I think I've got kind of answers. Often I think the first step in overcoming emotional eating uh, for a lot of the people that I work with is actually seeing it as a defense mechanism versus a coping strategy. And actually I have a client that I'm working with that I'm just I'm just thinking about now and it's really making me smile because it's just we've gone we've been doing therapy together for over a year. Um, but she's just gotten to the point where she's had all of this life stuff go on and she's like, Glenn, I've I've got it. The answer to whatever's going on with my sister, whatever's going on with my work life, it's not in the fridge. I've got it. And I think for a lot of people that actually becomes the first step is, you know, you might not realize you might not know how else you're going to deal with those feelings, but you actually realize that food is not your answer. And of course, as human beings, if we do have unpleasant feelings going on or unmet wants and needs or something that wants to change, we want to find an answer. Mm -hmm. So if we can really recognize that, that, you know, that previous answer hasn't been serving us, as well as it could not the right tool for the job so to speak then we we will our minds will naturally open the door to seeking what better answers there might be out there
0: yes it's kind of like filling up your own cup you need to find what's going to fill up your cup what you enjoy what what brings you joy instead of the fridge and food like you're saying
1: absolutely and that's where a lot of emotional eating Actually, ends up being about a general psychology, you know, because that's the that's what we're talking about here. Emotional eating is, you know, one way you can think of it as a, as an eating challenge, but it's really an emotional challenge. It's a challenge in you know managing our emotions uh, rather than uh, a, an eating
0: challenge. Definitely. So then what are some key tools for approaching um, emotional eating? So one way that I like to think of emotional
1: eating, and this often spins out some of my clients and my online community members when I first mention it, and we talk about this in the book too, so it's probably spun out a few people in the book, um, is I like to think of emotional eating like a great, gift now often then when when you say that emotional eating can be a wonderful gift to an emotional eater, they kind of look at you like you're an alien but if we do buy this idea that emotional eating uh, you know that that cue to emotionally eat comes up when we're feeling unpleasant emotions we have unmet wants and needs when we have some changes that we want to make in our life then the cool thing is we sort of said that as adults we get pretty good sometimes or maybe if we've experienced you know a whole range of adverse events in childhood maybe we've learned this from childhood um but we're not good at dealing with that stuff but if you can identify that whenever something's not quite right for me i get an urge to eat when I'm not hungry, then that's a gift. And if we unwrap that gift, we can, we can use those emotional eating urges, not as a sign to eat, but as a sign that we need to work on something internally. We need to process our emotions in new ways. We need to have our wants and needs met. We need to make important shifts around in our lives and if we open that gift it gives rise to the potential that we can live better lives than if we didn't have that signal
0: yes definitely you could even try and like channel it out by journaling or something or speaking or just a way of trying to kind of get those emotions out when you do feel that kind of trigger
1: yeah it's um it, it's it's a a, a great strategy Uh, and often if you get stuck, uh, you're like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know. Like what am I wanting me? Um, one really good thing to do is do this, um, free association writing, which is where you just get a piece of paper or a journal and you just start writing. And I tell my clients to do this all the time. Uh, It's a strategy that we use. um, It's in the book. It's in the online program. And people are like, what am I writing? You know, it's like, what am I supposed to write? And they they end up like, I kind of say it goes like this. They start writing. They're like, I am, you know, Glenn told me to write this down in the journal. I can hear a bird outside. I don't know why I'm writing this stuff. And then halfway down the page, they're like, I can't believe my sister said that to me. She always treats me like I'm the dumb one. And so you're, you're exactly right. Journaling and, and even that tool of free association writing can help you uh, get in touch with that stuff that's often just underneath the surface.
0: Because then you can write anything you want to. You can reflect on what you've written even and be like, oh, I am really angry, you know?
1: 100%. And And if I am angry, what a normal, natural human emotion you know and we know that with our family members we develop more complex emotions we're closer to them um, their words and their actions have a greater effect on us so of course we're going to have deeper feelings and some of those feelings are going to be really pleasant ones and some are going to be unpleasant and then we can go okay well i'm angry that's okay to be angry that's a normal natural feeling how might i deal with that do i need to just allow myself to be angry If I am using that cliche of going for an exercise session, what exercise might help me process anger? Maybe I need to hit a boxing bag or do something like that. Um, Maybe I'm angry because my boundaries have been crossed or I've sensed an injustice. And so maybe the way to deal with that is to have a conversation with a friend where I download about that person or have a conversation to that person where we kind of open up. So, and, and, and I think the beauty of going through, if I can come back to that process, the beauty is in the journey of finding the right answer for you. Yeah, Because a, a, a sort of a, and that's I think a real key is that we need bespoke answers. You know, we need answers that consider what will really help us as individuals and the only way we can get that is through some self-reflection
0: absolutely so like you were saying before that eating is emotional in general when can it be actually okay to emotionally eat within your life
1: look again i think it comes down to just workability if your emotional eating is at a level where it works in your life, it's not really interfering with your physical or mental health, then fantastic, you know? Um, and I think we all, if I, 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 I have these conversations sometimes with my clients where we can often acknowledge, yeah, you know what? Nutritional solutions for emotional problems, are mo- most often they don't work very well. But every now and then it's just what you need. And so I remember having a, a a a conversation with a client of mine who uh, it was funny because I used to keep a five p.m. Friday time free for just emergency situations with my clients. Had this client come in and she said to me, she's like, "Glenn, she literally just got fired that day," and she was like, "I am." She's like, and her thing was um red frogs, those red frog lollies, and she said, "Glenn." I'm going home and I'm going to eat a pack of red frogs and you can't stop me. And i tried to, as we always do as therapists, tried to put that person's shoes. So I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. I'm <laughs> not even going to try and stop I'm like, I think that's probably, that's a, a good move. And there are plenty of worse things that you could be doing.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she really needed it that day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she needed it. Sometimes you need it, <laughs> and I think that's important because it it is one of those things that, as you kind of alluded to further, we often do have rules in our head as to what foods are good and bad, and allowed and not allowed, and healthy and unhealthy. And those those food judgments can can leave us feeling guilty and ashamed about eating in a way that is unnecessary. So I think it it comes back to workability. If it works in your life, awesome. If it doesn't, let's acknowledge that and and see if we can do something about it.
0: Exactly. So if there's anyone who is listening who may be struggling or engaging in emotional eating, do you have any advice for them?
1: I do. uh, And I think it relates to what we were just saying before. Emotional eating is not the end of the world. Uh, The world is not going to end we're not going to die tomorrow if we emotionally eat. But at the same time the research does say to us that uh, you know too much emotional eating isn't good for our psychological well-being it's not good for our physical well-being so that the advice i would really give people is to address it. To address it to not ignore it. And while that requires some work. The encouragement I would give you is that while, you know, working on yourself and uh, understanding more about yourself and managing uh, your emotions in new ways does take work, it's almost always worth it. 99 times out of 100, it is worth it. The life on the other side of emotional eating is a better life. And so I would really encourage people to, to do that work. And I would also add in there that all of that stuff that you might not be addressing because it's scary and it is scary um, is going on anyway. So acknowledging it and working through it is not going to make it any worse. It'll just help you deal with it better. And again, we don't need to be perfectionistic about that, right? It's uh, it's about, Um, getting to a level that works for you it's not about um, you know going to Tibet and becoming a Buddhist master so you're just you know the so in touch with your feelings and in tune with yourself and in a zen state all the time it's about just applying these ideas uh, to the point where you can free yourself from an emotion a level of emotional eating that doesn't work for you
0: And to also acknowledge that a lot of people have gone through a long period of emotional eating also, and then they decided that they wanted to deal with their emotions. Like sometimes people do have to go through those long journeys to then realise that they do need to address certain things.
1: 100%. You know, we deal with, we use so many proxies for trying to deal with the stuff that's going on inside. We're like, oh, just eat it away, or I will just make more money or i will just watch lots of television or play video games and sometimes we need you know years or decades of doing these things for us to develop that awareness of oh you know what maybe maybe that's a better there's a better way to 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 resolve what's going on inside
0: Yeah. And it's not an all or nothing thing in any way with emotional eating. Like you can still include all the things you want and you eat. It's just about dealing with the emotions so that you have a balanced way of having those things.
1: 100%. And when you, you know, why do we eat yummy, high fat, high salt, high sugar foods? Because they taste delicious. And so when we are no longer relying on those foods to soothe unpleasant emotions, and when we uh, can see those foods as morally neutral, so we don't, um, you know, feel guilty or ashamed of eating them, the the win win is that then we open the door to mindful, joyful, intuitive eating, and we end up being able to really enjoy those foods a ton more anyway.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So then where can people find you as well as can you talk a little bit about your beautifully written book? <laughs>
1: um, so people can find me on all like the usual socials. Like I have a Glenn McIntosh Instagram um, and we have um, our website is www.weightmanagementpsychology.com.au So you can find us there um, and you can find links to the book, links to the program there. And yes, this book, um, it's, uh, I was just saying to you before we started, Jesse, that it's, uh, what I tried to do in the book is blend evidence because evidence is a big value of mine as a scientist practitioner as all health professionals should be with my clients experiences so i think that's probably my i see as the biggest value that i can add to the world i'm not a researcher i have conducted and published some research but i'm not a researcher at heart i'm a practitioner and i think if i can say what i do well is i translate the research into workable models workable techniques real life stories that can help people apply that research in practical relevant ways so that's what we try and do in the book um and actually we do talk about emotional eating in the book in um in step 6 it's a, it's, it's seven steps it's called um Insanity, Sanity, Seven Steps to Transform Your Mindset and Say Goodbye to Dieting Forever. Uh, and in step six, we, we talk about all this stuff in um, in the the, the the step called Nurture Your Inner Self.
0: Yes, and I really recommend this book as well. Yeah, cool. Check it out. And if you do,
1: let me know what you think.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for this interview, Glenn. It's been remarkable. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I've had a great chat and I hope that, uh, that everyone that's listening enjoys it and gets something out of it.
0: Well, that's the end of today's episode. Please subscribe, leave us a comment or a review. If you would also like to learn more about Body Matters services, you can check out our website at bodymatters.com.au. Thanks for listening.